This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can have what it says I can have. Today, I'm ready to receive the incorruptible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in my life. I'll never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. Best shout ever. Remain standing for the word. I'll be reading out of John 15, verses 1 through 17 in the NLT translation. I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now, you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command. Love each other. Lord, a hand. You may be seated. Thank you so much again for being here. Thank you, Victoria Kate, for the reading of the word. I want to talk to you what I've been talking about the last three weeks, and it's John 15, 2. I'll ask him just to stick that verse up there in a moment. Uh, I've been really convicted by it in my own personal life. For the sake of all the years I've served Jesus, uh, you know, I, I was raised in church, so it's not like I had this huge conversion. I was just born in church, raised in church. My parents went to church all the time. And so I always, you know, this thing of producing fruit for me was really a challenge because basically what it meant to me was you better live right. And if you don't live right, you could go to hell. So you better live right. Especially I was raised old line Pentecostal and it seemed like anything you did outside of this, you would go to hell. If you drink, you go to hell. If you smoke, you could go to hell. I don't know if they taught that, but it sure did make you feel that way. If you're kissing your girlfriend in the back of a car and Jesus comes back, you could miss it. If you swim in a bikini, you could miss it. Because how many of you know that 
religion loves to try to produce fruit in you. Because if I, if I can produce fruit religiously, it shows how much power I have over you. So that I could say to you, well, if you want to lead at Believer's Church, you better produce fruit. And you would say, well, what kind of fruit do I need to produce? Well, you don't need to drink, smoke, cuss, chew, hang around those that do. You need to live godly. And everybody in the room would say, well, of course we should do that. But the truth of the matter is, when we don't do it, we have a problem. We either get sat down, let go, reprimanded, rebuked. We leave the church. We realize we're constant failures, so we stay home because we never can live up to the standard. Or we set the standard so high that people try to live the standard, and it's not even living Jesus, it's the standard that the religion set for them. Whether Jesus is proud of that or not, you're proud because it was a religious standard. And so this has bothered me because I lived really good for a long time. My testimony is I was just a good dude. I mean, I had a year in high school. I was pretty rowdy, but I genuinely repented. And to the best of my ability, I tried to live godly. I think my children hopefully have the same testimony. I did my best to live godly. But the problem with doing your best to live godly, if you're not careful, it becomes such a burden that you're almost doing it maybe out of fear or religion or just habit and you really lose sight of the relational side of what this is all about. It's not about rules, Cameron. It's about relationships. And that's what I'm going to teach you today because at the end I'm going to give you a a moment to look at yourself because I'm going to ask you to take a step today that's life changing. It It was for me and I pray it would be so for you. So what I would like to do to catch everybody up, if this is your first time here, you know, uh, I'm going to just walk you through about 10 slides that will kind of catch everybody up. I will make try to make as few comments as I can because each slide is pretty much a message that I preach that is on YouTube. It's on our website, mybelieverschurch.com. You can go check those out. So let's just go where we started. John 15, 2, and this was a hard thing. He cuts off every branch that doesn't produce fruit, and he wants you to produce even more fruit. And so we started with day one with God expects fruit. He has an expectation of your life that if you're a Christian, or or let's call it a believer, if you're a believer in Jesus, He expects fruit out of you. Your life should be different. You You should look differently, act differently, talk differently, think differently, walk differently. Second thing we came in, God's definition of fruit is different than our own. Come on, you can talk back. It helps me. You say, I am rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. That's us. We strive to be that. We strive to produce fruit. My, my kids are good. My job is good. My, my grandkids are good. My home is good. My marriage is good. My money is good. That's our fruit. But we also saw that even though we could be saying those things, have a great retirement account, a good marriage, a great job. We did determine this. You can do all of that without the help of God. You can be a millionaire without God's help. You can have a good marriage without God's help. But we did say, even though I could have a good opinion of myself, my fruit, 
that Jesus could be thinking differently because Jesus says, well, you don't realize you're wretch, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. How many of you know that's a drastic difference? So what we did come up with is God expects fruit. It's often different than what I'm thinking, and he's judging something. We came to this thought, the third one. God's first words to human were, be fruitful. And we just made a joke that if God creates a man and a woman and puts them in a garden, at least he could have said, hello, welcome to the world. But he didn't. He said, be fruitful. And then he said, multiply, fill, and govern. And we came to this thought that the fruitfulness is connected to his government. So if you're going to talk fruitfulness, now we're talking government. We're not necessarily talking about did you quit smoking, did you quit drinking, did you quit looking at porn, did you quit cussing, and have you become a better Christian by going to church, serving on a team, and giving your tithes. We, although those things can happen, what we need to know is that fruitfulness is connected to government. And then we saw this about the government. God's government is connected to His wisdom that resides in a command. So let's go here. I, I demand fruit out of you, or I expect the fruit. The fruit that you think is not what I think. The fruit that I think is, do, does my wisdom govern your life? So when God is looking at fruitfulness, Burl, He's just simply saying, Burl, does my wisdom govern your life? Because, I made a joke about this, we could be a smoker or a tobacco chewer, and you typically know how that goes around preachers. If, if a preacher walks up and you got a big wad of tobacco, we kind of push it to the back of the cheek because we don't want the preacher to think, I could be dipping. Of course, now it's a little different in 2020. We really don't care. But, you know, growing up in the South, you always cupped your cigarette when the preacher came in, even though it was billowing over the back of your head. You really didn't want the preacher to know you smoked a Marlboro. Because the reality of this is... Uh, what we think that I would be judging in you is something totally different than God's judging. And so God says, what I'm judging, watch, and I'm going to take you here today. What I'm judging is not whether or not you quit smoking and drinking, but whether or not my wisdom is sitting in authority over your life. Because you can be smoking a cigarette and really close to Jesus doing exactly what he wants you to do. Or you could never touch the stuff and be very tucked, tied, and ironed and be so far from Jesus. He says, depart from me, I don't even have a clue who you are. So, I mean, we we would see that in the Bible, and that does throw throw us for a loop because it gets kind of scary. The next one was this. The fruit God expects is obedience to his command, his wisdom. In other words, here's what he's expecting. Olivia, obey. Nat, obey. That's, that's all I'm expecting you to do. James, obey. That's all I want out of you. Is God simply gave us one commandment to obey, and then we blew it. And we made a joke. He gave us one commandment, don't eat the tree. We blew it. He gave us ten more on a rock. We blew that. We added 672 to it. We blew those. The next one, and this is where it starts going to where we're going to go today, God's commands are simple and clear. Again, he gave us one, don't eat the tree, blew it. He gave us ten on a rock, blew it, called the Ten Commandments. 
religion added 670 plus more rules. We couldn't keep those. Jesus shows up and gives us two. And here's the two. One of them, an expert in religious law, meaning you can be an expert in religion and still not know Jesus. You can quote the Bible. You can know all about the book of Daniel. You can, you can throw scriptures at people. You can wear Christian t-shirts, band. You can get you a tattoo of his cross on your arm. You can be an expert, but the expert misses the trueness of the command because Jesus will reply, he says, uh, uh, an expert of the law, just narrows it down to two, love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and the second is just like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Two. Here's what we know about the two. This is where it gets dirty, and it might sting a mite, but just welcome to the show. Here it is. All we have to do, this is, this is different, so now we're, we're about to take the plane off. Everything we just looked at was weeks prior. Now this is the plane this week. Romans 2. All we have to do is keep His commands and be good, and we will get eternal life. Somebody clap for that. Praise God. Nobody else really got excited about that. All you have to do is keep His commands and be good, and you get eternal life. Read it. Romans 2, 6, 8. He, God, will judge everyone according to what they've done. Oh, that stings. He will give eternal life to those who keep on doing good, seeking after the glory and the honor and immortality that God offers, but He'll pour out His anger and wrath on those who live for themselves, who refuse to obey the truth and instead live lives of wickedness. Oh, don't you love God? He's so fair. Sophia, do right, obey me, do good, come in, have eternal life. Presents a major problem. Here's the major problem. There's infallible proof that we, human beings, Sophia, cannot obey the commands of God or be good. Y'all clap for yourselves now. You failed the test. Hence, everyone in the room now has a ticket to burn in a lake of fire. Because you cannot do good on your own. You cannot produce fruit. Everybody in this room has failed your own commands. It's called a New Year's resolution. You break it every year. You You have proven yourself guilty. The reason God gave you rules is to prove you cannot keep them, Jeremy. It is impossible. Oh, I can. Watch. So here's what the Bible says. Romans 3, obviously... It says, the law applies to those those whom it was given. The rules, that's what I'm going to use the law because it gets kind of weird for us. For its purpose is to keep people from having excuses and to show that the entire world is guilty before God. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law just simply tells you how rotten, no good, and sorry you really are. And God says, I love that. I'm just so brilliant, aren't I? Because I know, Jonathan, if I don't get you to see how rotten, terrible, and sinful you really are, 
you will think that you can impress me by doing religious stuff. And you don't impress me, Jonathan, at all. Jonathan's like, he doesn't have the best bass players I've ever seen, but Jesus. He doesn't have much white dance to him, but the boy can wear out a bass. And God is like, great bass playing, bro, but you're rich, miserable, poor, blind, and thank God you're not naked. (laughs) I'm not picking on Jonathan, but I think every one of us would see that obviously it's true with all of us in the room. Rules do nothing but show us that you break them all the time. And come on, don't lie to me. We've all done it. The law says drive 55, not you. By God, I've got something on my dashboard to tell me before they catch me that I'm a rule breaker, but I'm not a rule breaker as long as I don't get a ticket. We're just rule breakers. We love breaking the rule. Do not come in Target without a mask. My God, nobody will tell me not to wear a mask. I would come in without a mask if I want to. This whole thing's nothing but a scam anyway. Do not enter this establishment without a mask. I am not wearing a mask. It's America. I'm free. You can't even obey Target's rules. And you think you're going to get eternal life? <laughs> you've, you've, you've gone through stop signs. It says stop. You go through it every day. You're like, that's a slow and go, man. A slow and go. You're a rule breaker. The beauty of rule breaking is to show you you stink to high heaven. <laughs> All of our hearts, right? And me too, right? It's just like we're that way. Let's dig it deeper, though. If there is infallible proof that nobody can keep the commands and yet it's the command God wants me to keep to be fruitful, could we all agree in the house that we're hopeless? I hope that's where I've taken you. My wisdom is keep my commands and I will give you eternal life. Deal. Just give me a chance and I'll prove to you I'm better than everybody else. I will never miss church. I will never miss a tithe. I will never miss serving. I will read my Bible every day. And God's going, good. I'm going to wait on you a while till in all of your religious effort you hit rock bottom. Call out to me then. I think I'll intervene and help you. But until then, me and the angels are just going to watch this lovely religious show you're putting on. Because we think it's awesome. To watch you humans try to earn your way into something we've already told you won't work. (laughs) So we're hopeless. We're just utterly hopeless people. Not if you live in the South, you're not hopeless. Because in the South, you'll get water baptized. You'll go to a church. You'll get your name on a roll. You'll be a Baptist, a Methodist, a Presbyterian, an Episcopalian. You'll You'll be something. And that something makes you feel good about yourself. And especially in religion, I don't need you to know how sinful I am. I have to fake it. I would never tell somebody I'm having marriage trouble. I'm doing, I just use words like, amen, brother, praise God, glory, good. Just pray for me. God is good. <laughs> we, we all know, right? People throwing stuff out. Like, I use that all the time, man. How you doing? Good, brother. No, you're not. You know, you're not doing good at all. But we, it's religion. 
So religion sets it up to make you feel like you can accomplish it. I had somebody on staff several years back that said to me, they said, Pastor, can I talk to you? And I said, sure. And we met and they said, well, I've been looking at pornography. And I was like, okay, and? They said, well, I just, I needed to tell you that I've really been looking at it, struggling with it. And I said, okay, well, let's talk through it. And we did, and we prayed, and we repented. And, and then after we repented and prayed and kind of cleaned our mind and came clean into the light, the comment back was, you're not going to fire me? And I said, fire you? Why would I fire you? Well, because I'm on staff here at this church and I've been looking at pornography, I just assumed that you would fire me because... I said, so you assume by telling on yourself that you've been not doing what God wants you to do that I would kick you to curb and fire you? That's not how this works. If anything, I'm going to keep you here to help you overcome. Because that's what the kingdom is about. But when you live religiously... You have to fake the problems and fake the beauty of your life and spray yourself with perfume so you don't stink quite as bad. So here's the answer. Uh, If we consistently fail to obey, and I think we all have proven we do, then what fruit does God expect from me? All right? If Mark Evans consistently falls and fails at trying to keep all these godly rules, then it seems to me that God should have no expectation, Carmelo. He already knows you're going to fall apart and fail a million times, and that's kind of where we get religiously. Just be patient with me. God's not finished yet. (laughs) That's a cop-out. Because if God knows you consistently fail Him, we have an issue. Either He's okay with that, or He has to have a remedy for that. I know He can't be okay with it because He expects fruit. So He expects me to be under the guidance of His wisdom, but He knows I can't do it, so He becomes the wisdom for me, And by becoming the wisdom Christ, the wisdom for me, it doesn't mean that he just automatically says, yeah, just it doesn't matter what you do. I've already died for you. Oh, it matters still. So don't just say, well, be patient. God's not done with me yet. Or we all have sin. Or nobody can be perfect. Those are cop-outs. Those are cop-outs to keep us still living, not guided by His wisdom, but by our flesh. Well, Jesus loves me. You should too. Dude, I'm not talking about love. I'm talking about you're not living right. Well, nobody can live right. What do you think? We're perfect. What do you think? You just judge me. You got problems too. Dude, I'm not saying I don't have problems. I'm just saying, shouldn't we be different? God expects fruit. You know, here we go. So it brought me to this question. Then what does he want out of me? Does he want me to stop smoking or not quit smoking? Does he want me to be stop cussing or not? Does he want me to tithe or does he not want me to tithe? I'm so confused. And, and this is what I've struggled with in a lot of my Christian walk. What does he expect out of Mark? That I would bring a good sermon every week? That I would be a good man? I, you know, I don't know. 
But I've, I've wrestled long enough with this that I do believe I have an answer. Might not be the only one, but I think I've at least got something that brings hope to us. It definitely brings hope to me. And so now there's going to be no more slides. We're just going to get into the Bible. And I'm going to try from the Scriptures to, to show you what God is expecting of me. Now here's where, before we jump in, here's where I want you to get. So at least we're all on the same cup. He expects the fruit. It's different than what I'm expecting of myself. His fruit is to live His wisdom and His command. I can't keep His commands. He sends Christ as the wisdom and command. Now Christ has expectations of me to produce fruit. What is the fruit? Jesus, who was crucified, expects out of me. Galatians chapter 3. In my wrestling with this, um, the book of Galatians is probably, for those of you that even care, it is probably one of my top favorite books of the Bible because it's Mark Evans written in Scripture. It's the duality of the struggle. <laughs> Anybody ever been on the struggle bus? It's, it's the reality of the struggle. It's the fight of the fruit versus the failure of me. It's, I, I would think if you really read it in an understanding way, it's probably all of us in the room. It is the struggle between your failure and his expectation of fruit. And it is the most beautiful written. We dive right into the middle of it with verse 1 of Galatians 3. And it starts out pretty easy. Oh foolish Galatians. For those of you that are English majors, it has an exclamation point. So it would read this way. Oh foolish Galatians. In other words, he's a little miffed. In, in South Georgia redneck, you bunch of dummies. Come on. And this is what he says. Who cast an evil spell on you? For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. Let me ask you one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. How foolish can you be? After starting your new lives in the Spirit, are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? This is the fruit He's expecting. And if you don't get it, you live your entire Christian life as a fool. Because you spend your entire Christian life trying to impress God and other people with your own perfected human effort. And it makes God sick. Because when you perfect your human effort, you do not need the power of the Holy Spirit. The whole message of the gospel, I have commands for you to keep, 
that are my wisdom, but you can't keep them. But here's Jesus who did keep them so he could give you the Spirit so through the Spirit you could produce what I want you to produce. I'm not after rules. I'm after a baptism of my power. This is why this thing of the Holy Spirit is so foreign to many church people. We don't want to preach on it, Rosa. We don't want people. We may, we may push people away if we talk too much about the Holy Spirit. There's the whole shabababa, shoot a pecan down, who stole a Honda, tie my bow tie kind of talking. I don't want to go there. I don't want to talk about this, this ghostly person who shows up as a bird, who shows up as a wind and a smoke and a fog. So ethereal and subjective. And yet the whole point of the resurrection of Jesus Christ was to free you from sin so He could baptize you with power so you could produce the fruit that He wanted you to produce not out of rules but out of a relationship with the Spirit. The only way we are hopeful is to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. There is no other way I cannot find it in the Bible. I cannot find I know that religion debates the Holy Spirit. Oh, he's passed away. He's no longer here. He came for a season and now he's departed. The gifts used to be real, but now they're gone. We don't need them anymore. We have the Bible. If we had the Bible and that's all we needed, then wouldn't we all just be lovely people? Because it's not just the Bible you need. You need the Spirit to breathe on that Bible so it comes alive. Otherwise, it's just a book without the Spirit of God breathing on the wisdom of God. You would be no better than Adam in the garden. You would be a lump of dirt if God didn't breathe His Spirit into him. Genesis 1-2, the Spirit was hovering over the darkness. The Spirit has been part of the plan all along. But because we're religious and we get really religious, oh, we don't really, this, this group of people doesn't talk about the Holy Spirit. He's gone. This group of people, eh, thumb up, thumb down. We're kind of neither here nor there. If he's here, he's here, he's here. This group of people's like, oh, shalalala. We're all over the place. We're, we're everywhere with this subject of the Holy Spirit. And I'm looking at it going, how did we get so far off the wagon trail? <laughs> it's because it's the way, it's the answer. And if Lucifer knows this is the answer, the battle is going to be to become a believer that perfects yourself by your own efforts. He doesn't want you to come to an understanding, I am hopeless, therefore, son of the living God, baptize me with the power that you gave when you sat at the right hand of your father and you poured out that which was prophesied in Joel to come upon my flesh and baptize me with power. Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 2, you could not, Reginald, you could not even be a leader in the early church if you weren't baptized with the Spirit. Daniel, you couldn't be a leader. You couldn't be a deacon. You couldn't serve unless you had been baptized with the Holy Spirit. What has happened to us? I don't care if you're baptized now. I just want you to tithe. If you tithe, you're in leadership. You know how many people are tithing but aren't baptized in the Holy Ghost? How many people are leading churches but have never been filled with His power? They're leading out of their human effort. They're leading out of wisdom of man. They're leading out of CEO business principles. They're governing the whole church around religious business principles. It works. 
but it doesn't produce freedom. It doesn't produce real life. You start going, is this all there is to church? Just go, sing some songs, give an offering, go home, good job, preacher, stepped on my toes. Is that what we're here for? No, we were here to be baptized in power. So in power, I could go back to my workplace. I could go into my home. I could raise my children with the wisdom of God downloading to me 24-7. This is what you're up against. This is what you need to do. This is where you need to go. This is what you need to say. Communicating with me all the time, this baptism of the Spirit. John 14, John 15, John 16. I go to prepare a place, but I'm going to go. I'm going to send you somebody else because I don't want you to be an orphan. I don't want you to live here by yourself. It's the Holy Spirit. He will come. He will guide you into all truth. He will lead you to me. He will show you things to come. He will tell you about the future. Oh, well, we don't really need him. I'm just glad Jesus is alive in heaven making me a house to live in. You know he's up there on the streets go making me a house. I hope my house is big. Preacher said the more I give here, the bigger my house is up there. What the garbage. I give more here than my big mansion up there because I'm tithing, man. God's seeing all my money going up there. It's helping him build. And then I heard one guy say, well, if you're not giving, just know this. Probably up in heaven there's a for sale sign on your mansion. <laughs> I kind of liked it. It made the offerings go up a lot. I don't want some for sale sign on my mansion. <laughs> I liked it. It felt good. I don't know if it was scripture or not, but it felt good. Offerings increased that day. I think I gave a little more. <laughs> but what I found out about Mark Evans is as hard as I tried, I couldn't do it until I met the person of the Holy Spirit. And he baptized me with power. And he gives me gifts. Now, Galatians 5 now, if you will, because we're going to end here, and then I'm going to pray a prayer for us. Listen to Galatians chapter 5. Most of you would know Galatians 5. If you've been a Christian any length of time at all, you've heard somebody at least talk about this it's kind of weird verse 14 because watch what Paul says the whole law can be summed up with one command now not two one just love your neighbor as yourself what he's assuming is there's no way to do that unless you love the Lord God with all your heart soul mind and strength he already knows that if you can do this then we've got the other one down pat because you will never love your neighbor as yourself if you don't love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength because your neighbor will always tick you off and you won't love him as yourself. But he does narrow it down to one and, and says, just try it. Don't love your neighbor, but love your neighbor as yourself. That's a lot of love. Verse 15. But, and here's the problem, if you're always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. We can't even do it. And here it comes. Now, I would love it. I don't know if you take notes. If you do, it's okay. But I would just love everybody to gander at the TV. This is just Bible. And I'm just going to read it and let the Bible speak without much comment. I'll try to comment at the end. But I would love this just to sink down into your heart as, as the Spirit 
throws it to us here. Now, take this into consideration. You can't do it. I expect you to do it. Therefore, I'm going to baptize you with power and help you to produce the fruit you need. But the fruit I'm expecting is not rules. It's relationship with the third person of the Godhead, the Spirit. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you're not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, ready? You are not under obligation to the law of Moses. Keep reading. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will never inherit the kingdom of God. But... The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We're ending here. Eyeballs on the last sentence. How much law? No law. There is no law against this. If you want to know what he's saying, watch. This is mind-blowing. There are no rules to keep. It's mind-blowing for religious people. There has to be rules, Bethany. If I don't have rules, why do I know what to do? There has to be rules. You, you mean to tell me if I just let my kids go without rules, they'll destroy the place. No, there's no rules. There's no law against all this. Oh, God, there has to be rules, Mark. It's the only way society can exist is with rules. If we take all rules off and it's all, all holds unbarred, then we're chaos. Yeah, we are. Why? Because when the sinful nature is in charge, there's all kind of division, chaos, hurting, fighting, bickering, jealousies, sexual immoralities, lustfulness, pride, anger, hurts. But this ought not be if you'll just come into a relationship of a baptism of my power called the Holy Spirit. For, watch, when you're baptized with the Spirit's power, He produces a fruit in you that is warring against the fruit you want to do. And if you'll let His fruit produce in you, there needs to be no law over you. The only reason you need a rule to keep you holy is you're not in a relationship with the Holy Spirit in that area. Anytime a Christian believer has a rule they're keeping, it's because they don't know how to let the Spirit govern the very rule they're trying to keep at bay. That's how it works. 
And it's a lot easier to give rules because rules help you understand that there is a battle going on. Okay, I quit smoking. I put all my cigarettes away. Rule. And I'm learning a lot with me that the rules are in place because nobody's ever taught me how to really hear the Spirit. Nobody's ever taught me to commune with Him. Nobody's ever taught me to stop and go, God, before I say this, let me know. My mother said this to me. It's going to be very raw, so forgive me for being raw, but my mother told me, so I might as well pass on the wisdom. She said, son, because we were talking about a preacher that had cheated, a national preacher had cheated on his wife, and it was terrible. Son, no man could have sex with a woman who was not his wife that the Holy Spirit is not going behind him going, wait a minute, 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 wait a minute. If you do any sin, it's because you put your hand in your ears and you don't want to hear what he's telling you. Because she said you cannot willingly sin that the Holy Spirit is not trying to fish you back the best he can. If you sin, you did it by rejecting his wisdom. You knew it was wrong, but by God you did it anyway. You justified it. You gave yourself excuses. You gave yourself permission to kind of shun his wisdom a minute. Thank you. I will be back for some of your fruit. Right now I'm in charge. I'll come back and ask you to forgive me. Oh, please forgive me. I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have acted that way. I'm going to act that way one more time. Hang on. Come back and ask you to forgive me because you will 49, 490 times a day. Thank you for your forgiveness. Because the way we've learned to live is break a rule, break a rule. Heavenly Father, forgive me for I've sinned against thee and I ask you to humbly cleanse me and for all of my sins. Amen. Thank you so much. And I promise I'll never do it again if you'll forgive me. Amen. Thank you for forgiving me. I did it again. Oh, broke my rule, broke my rule. I'll be right back. Oh, Heavenly Father, I just pray that you totally forgive me. Please don't let Pastor Mark find out about it. And if he does, God, please don't, just don't let my wife leave me. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Amen. Hey, by the way, make another deal with you. If you'll heal me of this problem, I'll never do that again. Oh, oh, thank you for healing me. I, I, I broke my rules, did it again. I run back to him. God, listen, I'm really sorry I did it again. I know I told you I wouldn't do it again, but you know us humans. <laughs> We're all just that way. And I love that message where the preacher said 490 times a day. I'm not even close to that. I'm only about six times a week. That's why you love me. And hey, just want to cut another deal with you. I promise you'll bless my business. I'll start giving you at least 10%. Thank you. That's Christianity today. Run out here, fall apart. Run back to the master who saved you with his blood. Ask him to cleanse you. Run back and fall apart with your rules. Run back to the master at the altar. Fall down at the altar. Please forgive me. Run back. Come back the next Sunday. I oh, just oh, it's miserable out there. Huh? The reason life is that way, you're not listening to his wisdom. Because he goes with you. Because he'll never leave you as an orphan. Hey, Mark. Don't do that. You got it? Okay, good. You listening to me? Because what we even tell you is God won't speak. He doesn't care. He's up there building you a house. He's not down here working on this house. I want you to just to look at it one more time. I would challenge anybody in the room. I'm not saying like I'm always right, but of all my years of working it out, I would challenge you to define that last sentence that when you're talking about the Holy Spirit, you can't talk about rules. 
You have to pick. Do you want to live by the rules? Or do you want to learn how to overcome and live truly free by producing the fruit of the Holy Spirit? Acts 2. Boys, girls, don't even remotely think to go out in the street and preach me until I've baptized you and endued you with power from on high. Hey, we need help in the church. Okay, look out from among you and find men that are full of the Holy Spirit. Paul to the Ephesians. Have you guys heard of the Holy Spirit? We don't even know what you're talking about. What do you mean the Holy Spirit? And I present to you today, most Christians, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is nothing more to many religious people in the South than a Pentecostal experience that makes you jerk, fall out, feel good. Woo, run, shout, hop, jump, and sweat. And fan a lot. Because we have some wild church services. That's kind of what the South is when you think Holy Spirit. But when God says Holy Spirit, it's a bad watch. It's a baptism of my government. That will produce a fruit in you. Watch. I might take this a little higher next week, but for this week, let's land the plane. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is an endowment of my government to produce a fruit in you. And the reason I connected that endowment of power to your mouth is because your mouth is the rudder of your entire life. That's my wisdom. So I endue you with power. I grabbed your tongue with my power because your mouth is the rudder of your life. So what? watch. What God was saying, the baptism of the Spirit was to grab the rudder of your life with His wisdom so you could do what He wanted you to do. It wasn't just so you go, do you have your prayer language? Yes, let me hear it. Or... Okay, I'm going to touch you now. Open your mouth. La, 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 la. Do that. La, 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 la. Real fast. La, la, faster. La, 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 la. You got it. So every time you open your mouth, just go, la, 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 la. That's it. I'm not opposed to that. I think God's just looking at that going, that really wasn't it. But I appreciate y'all trying to help him. But I will tell you this. It's very difficult to be baptized with the Holy Spirit power and keep your mouth shut. Because when he baptizes you with power, there's a river of living water that has to come out somewhere. You only have a, several options. And he picked the best one. And out of my belly comes a river of living water of the Spirit filling me with his language and taking over my tongue so that I can go out into my 50 feet and produce a fruit that has nothing to do with rules and religion, but I'm in a walking, talking, living relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit who is the Godhead over my life and he's put wisdom over my life. How dare I even think that I could accomplish this in my own human effort? Let me never be that foolish to try to run my business without the help of the Spirit, to try to fix my marriage without the help of the Spirit, to try to get rid of my addictions without the help of the Spirit, to try to get rid of my lust without the help of the Spirit, or to remotely even try to impress the eternal, almighty, creative, living God without the help of His Holy Spirit. 
Bow your heads. Now, that's the best I can do. I just landed the plane, and the captain's pulling up to the gate. Please unbuckle your seat belts. Remain seated. And now you get to choose. Do you want to walk out the door today and keep trying this thing in your human effort? Trying to run your business in your human effort, fix your marriage in your human effort, raise your kids in your human effort, stop your lust in your human effort. You can do it. You can try. I mean, you, sometimes you get a couple of months in, you're doing really good. Some, some people make it like four months before they tank. Your own natural power can get you so far, but everybody in the room would have to agree there is a stopping point where you just can't go on. It is the power of the Holy Spirit. I, as Paul would say in a nice way, oh, please don't be foolish and walk out of here today and think you can do this in your own power. You cannot raise these kids in your own power. You cannot conquer your lust and your addictions in your own power. And how dare us think that we could change America in our own strength. Well, if we just scream loud enough, if we march long enough, if we shout long enough, if we elect the right person and get the wrong one out, and we do, we pass all these laws, no? Oh, if we would but just listen to the Holy Spirit. And oh, if we would say, God, baptize me fresh with power. Now, in a room this size, I have no idea where you were raised, how you were raised, but I'm going to just do a blanket prayer. So would you just stand up with me, if you will? I'm going to lead you in a prayer. There's nothing funky about it. It's just going to be a simple prayer of asking the Holy Spirit to baptize you and begin to just let that language come out of you. Some of you may say, I don't even know what that means. Don't even, don't even freak out about it. Just pray the prayer. God, baptize me with power. I need it. I need it now. I need to be filled with it. I need your help. I can't do it on my own. And then I just give you my mouth. That's obviously where you wanted your wisdom to be. And then just open your mouth up. Let him, let him have it. Just take my tongue, take my mouth, take my thoughts, take my actions. Now that's the prayer I'm going to pray. Because I, as a shepherd feel it really silly to try to be a church where we just think we can do it without the help of the Holy Spirit. I don't even lead my family that way. It's just, it's too hard. I'd much rather have the Holy Spirit helping me, doing it for me. Now the only prerequisite I can find to the help of the Holy Spirit is the crucifixion of Jesus. You couldn't have it without Him being crucified. So what that tells me is that you must believe that Jesus died and came back and have your sins forgiven. And then once that happens, he says, well, now I won't leave you as an orphan. I will baptize you with power. So I'm going to pray a prayer. The front of the prayer is a I believe in Jesus prayer. The back of the prayer is I cannot believe I've been trying this on my own prayer. And I don't want to live like a foolish Christian. I want you to help me, Jesus prayer. And that's going to be asking Him to fill you. At the end of that, I'm just going to give you a few minutes, just to, you know, a minute or two, just to raise your hands and pray right there. And then I'll dismiss you for communion as you come. Those of you that call this place home, our giving baskets are here. You can do your giving. But we have communion available for you. 
And I would just say today's communion needs to be this. When you take that bread in your hand, you need to have a prayer that goes something like this. Heavenly Father, forgive me of trying to do my life in my own effort. Living my own rules that I only break over and over and over. I choose the help of your Holy Spirit. Baptize me with your power and then take that bread and juice. Let it be a seal that on this day you asked for that help. Let's pray the prayer now. Let's pray this. Heavenly Father, it is clear to me from your scripture that I'm hopeless. I cannot in my own effort please you. Please forgive me of even attempting it. I know now my only hope of ever pleasing you is Jesus Christ. And I choose him because he chose me. I receive him into my life as my hope and as my eternal life, as the wisdom of God in Jesus' name. Be Lord. And now, Jesus, fulfill your promise that you would not leave me here like an orphan. And I declare I'm here to be filled with your power. Holy Spirit, baptize me now with your power. Take my human effort and move it aside and fill me with your Holy Spirit's effort. And let the fruit of my life be the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Now, just, I don't know how you want to do it. Put your hands up. Put them to the side. I would just encourage you to open them up. It's just a good symbol of I'm, I'm willing for you to baptize me. Now, Father God, right now, baptize every person in this room with the power of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come into this house right now and fill your children with your help. Fill your children with your power. Every bit of fear, every bit of anxiety, every bit of torment, every bit of addiction, every bit of lust, everything we're trying to do in our own human effort, every marriage failure, every financial failure, every emotional failure has to bow now to the help of the Holy Spirit. Every person in this room, Holy Spirit, we welcome you to this house and we say, fill us now. Fill me now. Just say that. Fill me now, Holy Spirit. Say it again. Fill me now, Holy Spirit. Say it again. Fill me now, Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Come on, give God a hand of praise. He's worthy. Thank you so much for joining us on the Believer's Church podcast. If you would like more information about Believer's Church, you can visit mybelieverschurch.com. If there's anything that you need prayer for, please email us at amen at mybelieverschurch.com. Thanks again for listening, and we will see you next week for a brand new message. 